that Tony KCB is really what we're selling now. So we've got quite a few clients who are grandfathered in on simpler plans or on sort of low, low scale subscriptions. So which is kind of what we were selling up to maybe a couple of two, two or three years ago. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mike Austin. He's the co-founder and CEO at Fresh Relevance, a serial entrepreneur. He founded his first software business when he was 16 and has been developing software and software businesses for more than two decades. Mike, you're aging yourself. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I give it away sometimes. <laughs> All right. You ready to take us to the top? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Tell us about the company. So what's Fresh Relevance do? So we're a marketing technology platform. Um, we work with... Um, uh, online uh, websites, so mainly uh, retailers at the moment, um, and we help them to to maximise the number of uh, people who come to the website, who will then um, uh, convert, buy stuff. Um, we do behavioural marketing for that. Um, that can be on the website itself, or in emails, or in uh, other channels. Okay. And how do you price this thing? What's the average customer pay per month or per year to use the technology? So it's um, it's a SaaS subscription model. Um, so, and it, it, the, the pricing varies depending on the size of the company um, and how much of the functionality they use. So we have different modules. Um, the average is somewhere around twenty thousand dollars annual. Okay, got. It. So it's called something like maybe fifteen hundred dollars per month. Something like that. Yeah. As I say, there's a big range. You know, a small website using little functionality will pay a lot less. Big, 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 big um, uh, company with big websites using lots of functionality can pay a lot more. Yeah, how do you measure big or small and you price against it? Like, for example, number, number of monthly impressions, right? Or MAUs or things like that. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so, so we use um, monthly page impressions um, on the client's website or websites. Okay. And what else do you upsell against? Features, seats? Um, yeah, primarily features. So... We have modular pricing, so we have a core, then we have different uh, modules we can add on, which add on different functionality, different types of behavioral marketing, and um, different channels as well. So we do email personalization, we do web personalization, and two of the very popular um, uh, channels to be handled. Okay, that's good. Now, put this on a timeline for me. When did you launch? Uh, so we launched in 2013. Um, so we've been running about uh, just about six and a half years now. 
congratulations. Most don't make it past the first. So 2013 was launch date. And how many customers are you serving now today? Uh, you cut out there, Mike. Um, how many? And that's um, uh, just coming up to 500 now. About so, 500. Um, yeah. And about two thirds of those are in the UK. Um, but we're expanding pretty fast in um, uh, Northern Europe and in North America. Take me back. We're going to get some deja vu here for a second. Your first 10 customers. Do you remember how you got them? Um, yeah. So, I mean, myself and the co-founder have been in the marketing um, industry, particularly the digital marketing industry, for quite a long time, since really before there was a digital marketing industry. Um, you know, we set up an ESP um, back about 10 years before this business. Um, and we built that, um, grew it out, eventually sold it. And so we have a lot of contacts in the... Uh, the kind of client base, um, particularly in the UK. So um, quite quite simply, we started by p- pitching some of um, our existing contacts. Okay. And when you sold the company, how did you make sure that you still had the ability to contact those customers, even though you sold the company to somebody else? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's really... Um, I mean, from a legal point of view, we had a, um, a non-compete period, which was out six months, and that wasn't really a problem because it took us, um, you know, a, a year or so to build even the very first version of Fresh Relevance. So, you know, there wasn't any legal difficulty. And beyond that, it's just a matter of personal contacts. You know, there's no saying that people buy from people, and that's that was the way we got started. Between between 2012, your first line of code, and 2013, how much total did you sink into the building the MVP before your first dollar of revenue? Hmm. Well, phrased in that way, um, I mean, we had a team of uh, basically four of us to start with. Um, so over that period, it must have been it must have been north of a hundred thousand dollars, but I don't know exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, so hundred thousand dollars. Now, did you guys uh, bootstrap? Are you bootstrapped today, or have you raised capital? So the majority, so in the early days, we, um, the founders put in um, sort of founder finance, um, which we did partly from the side of the previous business. So, you know, we were in a fortunate position in that sense, and that allowed us to do things that typical bootstrap startup, like our previous one, um, actually, which was fully bootstrapped, um, you know, you just can't do. So, so this time we were able to do things faster. We were able to engineer things better as well from day one, which was quite a luxury. You know, because um, a lot of startups, you know, have to build things in the, the quickest, cheapest, simplest way in order to get it to get it right. Whereas we were able to say, okay, so this is going to be a thousand times bigger in a, in in a couple of years' time. What do we need to do in order to get that that right? So we're able to make some some good decisions at the start. Um, you know, and, and that was really very helpful. Yep. Now, did you, when you say founder money at the beginning, are you talking like, you know, half a million of the company you guys put in? What did the founders contribute early on? Um, it was it, it was a little bit less than half a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. And then have you raised anything today or, you know, you're still going to that 500 grand? Yeah. So um, we, we we grew organically with that for quite a long time, actually. So um, uh, we took our first round of outside investment, which was essentially a Series A, um, 2.15 million pounds, so what's that, two and a half million dollars roughly, um, in uh, 2017. So about um, two and a half years ago now. Okay. And what's the team look like today? How many people? 
So we're just about 50 people now. 50. Okay. How many engineers? Uh, broad definition of engineers, um, about 20. 20. Okay. And now do no, you have no, a, no. do you have a strong no, kind of no, sales no. motion? How many, how many sales reps that are actually carrying a quota? Uh, so we have about um, 12 sales at the moment. So I, I think in that sense, it's, it's kind of a typical B2B SaaS business where, you know, you have um, uh, quite a lot of sales engagement before companies will put down, will write a fairly big check for an annual contract. Uh, so, yeah, so about, 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 about a quarter of the company are sales. And, and what had you grown revenue to prior, like before, you know, bringing on your first salesperson? Well, um, one of my co-founders actually is, is a salesperson. So, Besides so a he, co-founder. So he started out. Um, so we took our first salesperson uh, about nine months in. And at that point, I think from then we, we were at about 20 clients. Okay, then. 20 clients. And can you give me a general sense of revenue scale back then, that first year? Oh, um, tiny. Um I mean, the first year, I, I, I don't know, $50,000 or something. It was um, it, it was very, very small, you know, and um, obviously that was growing. So I think like the first month was, was about $1,000. It was just, uh, you know, like one client. Yep. And what do you think you'll break this year? Uh, so we're on track to do about $5 million this, this year. Okay, that's good. Now, can I take the 500 customers number you gave me earlier times 1500 a month, which is the $20,000 ACV, that would put you at about $750,000 a month right now on revenue. I think that might be slightly high. Um, it is, yeah. It's slightly high because our client base um, is, that, 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 that 20K ACV is really what we're selling now. So we've got quite a few clients who are grandfathered in or on simpler plans or on sort of low, low scale subscriptions. So, which is kind of what we were selling up to maybe a couple of, two, two or three years ago. Yep. Well, if you look at what uh, just your MRR was last month, uh, what did that come in at about? 400 grand, 500? Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's about, uh, in terms of dollars, about um, 350, 400K dollars. Got it. And what's that up from a year prior? Um, so, we're going about... Um, 30 to 35% annually. Okay. So you were doing about, call it $275,000 about a year ago. Something about all year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's good growth. Um, so you raised that money back in, I think you said 2017. Those investors, I imagine, are expecting faster growth, right? As a VC funded startup, right? With thir- just 30% year over year growth. How do you manage board expectations? Um, so our investors are. Relatively patient. I mean, they're, um, uh, one of the differences we see between um, PEs in the UK and those in the US is the uh, the scale of investment and the expectation on growth. So, you know, in, in, if you get money in the valley, then you can get a phenomenal multiple, but you're also expected to hit, you know, 60% annual, 100% annual, 150% annual, whatever it is. Um, in the UK, um, you get a lower multiple valuation, but the, 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 the growth expectations are more reasonable. Um, and I think we're we're pretty lucky in that, in that some investors are um, are pretty pretty patient and you know they are um, looking for the right outcome for the company over the sort of two, three year 
um, from now timescale, not pumping it for growth right this instance. So, I mean, that's, you know, I, I think to some extent you, you have to start by picking your investors to align with your strategy and the way you want to run the business. Yep. Now, are you profitable today? Or are you burning cash to drive growth? Uh, today we're burning, well, sorry, sorry, today we're actually um, about breaking even, um, but we've just started a major new investment program, so we're going to be burning cash again as of uh, about next month when some of the new hires um, hit, hit the uh, the office. How much burn per month are you comfortable with? You're talking like 20, 30 grand a month or more? Um, we are going to be, yeah, probably about 50K um, a month. I mean, we, we, we tend to manage it so that it's not excessive. I mean, it's important to keep um, your runway to absolute minimum six months, in my view. Um, and, you know, ideally, you want, you want it to be nine, 12 months. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you look at obviously your ability to invest this money, you know, is directly dependent on these customers sticking once you sign them up. When you look at gross revenue churn over the past month, what is that or or year? What's that coming at? Um, so we are we're aiming to keep net churn um, well below 10 percent. Yeah. So what does that mean on a gross basis, you think? On a gross basis, um, a little bit more than that. I mean, it's it, it, it's really like a wage scale, isn't it? So the um, I mean, the, the growth churn, I, if it got beyond twenty percent annually, I would really be really worried. Um, I'm sort of comfortable with it um, between ten and fifteen percent. Okay, say. and you're kind of in that range today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and 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 certainly net churn, we aim to be significantly better than that. Now, if you, Mike, if you take that 13% churn and then add back your expansion revenue, not from new customers, but from older customers upgrading, is your net revenue retention more than 100%? In other words, do, does expansion make up for the 13% churn? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, hence you get to the um, to the average growth rate, yeah? So Not necessarily average growth rate. It's just um, if you look at the customers you had exactly one year ago, you're basically saying 13% of the revenue that they made up will churn, right? And my question is on that same cohort where your salespeople upsell, right? Those same accounts buy more than the revenue lost from that cohort. Right. No, not quite. That 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 that's my definition of net churn, which may be slightly different. So the um, so we're looking at probably losing uh, a few percent net on on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at your price point, I would expect expansion revenue to be in like the 20 to 30% year over year range. Why aren't you getting more expansion revenue? Well, I think it's, you know, I can blame all sorts of different things, um, including um, Brexit impending and and, um, uh, GDPR we've just gone through. But, you know, I I, I think probably um, it, it, it comes it comes down to our ability to execute sales, you know, and we've recently done a bit of a, a, a rebuild on parts of the sales team, you know, and I think that that's um, improving that, that sales model is critical and, and it's difficult to get right because, you know, you are um, trying to build a machine that goes through several things, through from marketing, from SDRs, through from events, um, all the way through sales, um, uh, junior sales, sales engineers, uh, closers, and all the rest of it. You know, so if you have any 
sticking points at any point of that, or any weak links in that whole whole chain, then you don't get the um, the sales bookings that you're looking for, and therefore the the sales growth isn't as high as you'd like. So when you look so today at yes. when you look today at kind of your fully weighted CAC to get on these ten twenty thousand dollar your customers in the first place, how much are you spending to get them? Um, I don't want to give an exact figure on that, but we're spending less than the um, at the first annual year value. Okay, so a twenty thousand dollar account, you might spend twenty thousand dollars to get them, so less than a twelve month payback. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And where's most of that money going? Paid spend, salesperson commissions? Yeah, so we, we, we've tried all sorts of different models on this. Um, I mean, the, the marketing spend, we, we find that paid media doesn't work for us um, so far. We still do a bit, but it's not been very effective. Um, in-person events are not working particularly well for us, which is also a big change over the last five years. You know, because a few years ago, you, you could go to an event and you guaranteed to get leads from it. Um, so what, what is working is content works really well. So we're very strong on content. That leads through to SEO. Um, organic search is very effective for us in terms of conversion. What's a search term you rank really well for that drives you a lot of traffic? Um, oh, there's, there's a whole bundle. But I mean, I think, um, you know, just things like um, uh, a cart abandonment um, is, is, is pretty good. So I mean, we, we, because we play in a number of different areas of the personalization space, you know, we, um, we, 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 we target and rank well on a number of search terms. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, you know, sales salaries is significant and sales commission is significant. Mm-hmm. What do you, if, if a salesperson hits their full OTE, mm-hmm. what is that in terms of a ratio to their bookings target? Um, so the, the bookings target, it, it varies a bit between the people in the sales team as to what their exact role Let's is. Let's say a mature um, sales rep, a fully onboarded sales rep. Yeah. So they, um, would be looking at about a bookings target of about three times their sale, three times their OT, I think. Yeah. So when you basically, you know, when you add up their base plus commission and multiply by three, that's their quota target they have to hit to earn their full salary. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's something in that sort of, we don't model this in exactly that way, but, but yeah, I think it's in that sort of. Okay, very good, Mike. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book? I'm going to have to go for uh, The Innovative Style Emma by uh, Christensen. It's been, uh, that's hugely, hugely influential for me in designing what we're going to do in this business. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I follow a whole load and I look at what they're doing. There's all sorts. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for um, Patrick Collinson and um, his brother John, um, who have been building Stripe. And I've been doing a phenomenal job with doing that without the theatrical and uh, all the kind of antics that you see from some certain other CEOs of successful businesses. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your company? Um I, I, I think probably Fogbugs um, as a development tool. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been one we've stuck with for a long time. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Uh, about six hours. Six hours. And what's your situation, Mike? Married, single kids? Married, yeah. Okay. Any kids? Uh, 
Yeah, two kids. Two kids. And how old are you? I'm 54. 54. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, that, 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 that There's an old saying that you um, sell the sizzle, not the bacon. And um, I think that's really true that, um, you know, you can build a fantastic product, but unless it looks great or smells great, then uh, it's not going to sell. So, you know, you have to get the, 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 the kind of gizmos to look and feel, you know, it has to look wonderful in addition to performing well. Guys, fresh relevance hitting $5 million in terms of run rate, uh, up about 36% year over year. They've raised 2.5 million bucks to grow, burning about $50,000 per month as they hi- make new hires to scale. Current team size, 50 people, 20 engineers, 12 quota carrying reps, caught 13% gross revenue churn annually, expansion of about 5 or 6%. So net revenue retention about 93, 94 percent they have uh, they're efficient in terms of cac less than a 12 month payback period call it spending 10 grand to get a ten thousand dollar a year customer as they look to continue to scale their real-time personalization platform mike thank you for taking us to the top thank you very much for having me